hello, hello. Welcome to the Trio of Positivity Podcast. Boys and girls, thank you for joining us today. This is the podcast where we skim the Chicago landscape to bring you some positivity. You know, there's way too much negativity in the world today. Let's bring some positivity your way. We're like three balls host. of sunshine. <laughs> that sounds like you should get it checked out. <laughs> Sorry, it threw me off. Uh, I'm your host, Boo Pad. You heard one of my positive fellow brigade member, Miller, there, who seems to be doing well. CJ, how you doing? Good. How are we doing? <sighs> Awesome. Beautiful Thank you for day. bringing that energy there. Yeah, energy there. Thank you, CJ. I love it. Um, social plug, you can find us on Facebook under the Trio Positivity and at Twitter, we are at, at Trio Positivity. Uh, what do we got for today's episode, boys and girls? We are talking about the Women's World Cup. We are talking about a couple of new additions to the Bears. And then we're going to bring some hot takes. Some caliente takes, as us non-bilingual people would say it. Chris would say something different, I'm sure. Uh, we also have the Cubs and Sox. We'll talk about them a little bit as well. But, but so, Lupin, what type of hot yes. takes are they? They're NFL oh. hot takes. Oh, I was going to leave that a surprise, but thank you for ruining the surprise. Oh. <laughs> no, <laughs> totally slipped my mind. I was trying to make up for it. Um, yeah, so that that's the goal for today. You guys ready? Should we get this show on the road? Let's do it. Let's go. CJ, tell us what's happening with the Women's World Cup down under. Well, it's pretty obvious that we don't know shit about soccer because all of our teams are out. <laughs> that didn't um, last very long. That did not last very long. The one team that actually made it through uh, was the USA. So Miller was the furthest homer of the bunch, um, but sadly, technically, I was the only homer was probably, of the bunch. It was in what was probably the most entertaining game I think I've seen. Um, I actually was up at five a.m. watching this game. Uh, ended up being a zero-zero draw. Technically, went into technically penalties. I was in my car watching the game. On the oh, play were you? Play. Yes, I was. And I was awake. Oh, nice. Not by choice, but I was awake. Um, so they go to penalties. Uh, it, it's it's very tight. Uh, I think there was 20,000 fan, 20,000 plus fans. So it was a very good game. And it came down to one kick in which the goaltender blocks the first attempt, but it still manages to get into the goal by what? Experts are saying was one millimeter that it crossed the line. And with that, the United States were eliminated. Uh, Sweden, which was which is the number two team in the world, which will probably now take the number one. They'll face Japan. Um, the other but quarterfinal matches are Spain versus Netherlands, Australia, France, and England and Colombia. Let's, let's, let's get back um, to the game at hand. The most important are USA women that represent the states get knocked out at the lowest point ever for the US mm-hmm. women's at least it mm-hmm. it yeah men's don't make it that it's far it's so uh, i i just can't get over it first of all props to the goalie she did a hell of a job 
It was a great goalie. Both goalies. US, both goalies were fantastic. But I believe the U.S. had at least one chance to win, and I think maybe two chances to win. They had, the they had like three good chances. No, not the during the game. I'm not. I'm talking about strictly on the the kick, the penalty kicks. Pen- penalty. Oh, the penalties. Yes. I think they had one. Uh, both teams actually missed two kicks to like win it or to get a to get ahead. Yeah. So Sophia Smith, I believe, came up with the the game on the line. If she nails that kick, the game's over. O V E R. Yeah, United States was leading three two in penalties at one point, and then um, USA missed two in a row. It was pathetic. Uh, we Sweden our... missed one, and then Sweden made three in a row. We ma- we made our first three, and then we made one out of our last four. You just can't have that. You just can't freaking have that. Yeah, uh, Rapino. Megan Rapino was also one that missed. Yeah, um, Rapino missing is like. The highlight. That's that's the essence of the tournament, right? A great well, a great thing just falling off. This is like so I I mean poetic. she wasn't the only one that announced her retirement either. Um I believe I'll find the name. There was one more person. Uh Alex Morgan confirmed she's not retiring uh, um after this World Cup. The viewership will uh, be gone. But what's crazy is that Alex Morgan was actually taken off for Megan Rapino, so so Morgan um, didn't even get to kick. Was, Morgan did not of kick. Of course, stupid ass coach. Well, the idea of the switch, which is very understandable, the um, I believe the switch was made. I see it in the ninety ninth minute, so it was in the first half of extra time. Uh, I'm assuming they were trying to go for the win, uh, because uh, Rapino has more of a center, can kind of kick the ball over and and actually get like some headers in. But I didn't really see that many play out. I don't. Th- I don't think she was known to be like a penalty kick taker. But um, Rapino hasn't she missed usually one since twenty eighteen. Morgan could do everything, obviously. But we before we move okay, away relax. from penalty kicks, we gotta give props to the goalie again because not only did she save, I think three, maybe three penalty kicks, she also kicked and scored a penalty kick. She is the first goalie in women's World Cup history to score on a penalty kick. Gotta give wow. some freaking props right there. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm freaking saying. So, Heck yeah, let's go. USA! USA! Oh, you can't do that, Chan. We lost. Um, I will say, though, of the goalie performances, it goes to Sweden. Um, the USA actually had 11 shots on goal out of the 22 that I, I completely agree to during Sweden during only the having one shot on during, goal the game, during the game. You, so. you can give her credit, but the bottom yeah. line is in the penalty kicks, we did more to hurt ourselves than the goalie did to stop us. And penalty kicks are hard, man. Like, okay, don't give me that very, bullshit. They're very difficult. No, they're not they are very difficult. Yes, they are. These are professionals. Okay. Come on. Don't Do you know? Okay, let me ask what you this is the question. Re- let me ask what you this is question. The hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Let me ask you this question. A penalty kick. Hold on. Let me ask you this question. Before I answer that question, let me ask you this question. Who has more pressure on a penalty kick? The kicker or the or the, the goalie? The kicker. The goalie. Oh, you see how we have the two. The goalie has virtually there? zero pressure because as I just my statement before this was, the percentage was of easy making me. a penalty kick is very high. It's probably over seventy five percent. 
Do you know how many kickers actually take penalty kicks throughout a year in a game? No. It's very low. He... So that's why there's going to always be more pressure on the kicker taking the kicks. I mean, it's also... not boy, well, Saturday not morning true. penalty kick. Saturday morning penalty kick. I won my penalty kicks against Miller. He knows. The... He can't stop. Exactly. Me. That's my point. It's very hard to stop. But a that's because I know. And. But if what, you are a good player, all you have to do is place it, and you can literally place it in a spot where the goalie cannot touch it. No matter how good they are, they cannot physically get there if you place it correctly. Now, obviously, that's extremely hard, but these are professionals on the biggest stage, the favorites of the tournament, some of the best women players in the States, and they miss. And they not only miss, they don't even hit the net. They don't even get – they're not even in the net. They – they go over the bars, outside the, the goal. And that's the fucking problem here. And it just pisses me off. So, so Rapino's shot was too high. It wasn't blocked. And the shot by Sophia Smith um, missed on the right side. The penalty that was saved was from the USA goalie. Uh, saved the shot from the bottom It'll right. Saved two if it wasn't and for then, technology. God, stupid. And then uh, the penalty was missed by Sweden as well for shooting it too high. So of the misses, oh, and uh, USA hit a post as well. Of the of the misses that were accounted for, only one was saved by the goalie. Exactly. And that's what's so frustrating. Which is why it's more you're, pressure on the kickers. Yeah, you're just so it's just so frustrating because you gotta hit these. Okay, since we suck at picking teams and all our teams are gone, should we do a second place to figure out uh, pick a team? Well, out of Miller these already teams? won. He yeah, won by won. being a homer. So I'm, I, I'm like, I, I don't think that's a win. You got your team didn't even get picked, out of the group pick, stage. It's definitely a win. Yeah, okay, the I, I literally said second spot. I never said we we're gonna upset you. I said for the second tier, should, for the silver medal. Should we pick a team again just to add? I don't know. Fun? These matchups, who, who are you thinking? I'm going to go I'm saying Japan. Again. Okay, I'll go You're thinking again. Japan will beat Sweden? I, I don't know. They've been, like, pretty good. I, the matchups are the matchups are pretty close. Pretty um, awesome, yeah. It's Australia, France, and then the winner of that faces England or Colombia. And then it could be a Sweden-Spain matchup. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to pick because I already felt like Brazil had a chance and, and they faltered. Uh, maybe Take Spain. I, I don't know. Colombia's. That's, that was the second team that you're choosing from. That was that was one of my sleepers, wasn't it? I can't remember. You said it's either it's Brazil one. or Colombia and you picked Brazil. I don't think that's. I think I did and I picked it for Marta. So. Oh, that's true. I'll take credit for it. Fuck it. Let's go Colombia. We'll go Colombia. Miller, Miller, you going Homer with the England? Duh. (laughs) And for the record, for the record, round two for the record, percentage of penalty kicks made seventy five percent on average. Wow, on the money, on the money. What um, what data? What year? I don't fucking know. I just typed it in. Is it men's or is it women's? It doesn't matter. What do you mean it doesn't matter? It actually does. Is it World Cup penalty kicks or regular season or Champions League? There's a lot that we can go through. 
Don't be okay, upset that, that you're be wrong. Okay, that will be in the extent. Don't be no, upset. No, no, that will be in the extended version of this podcast. Okay? Is correct. <laughs> that's chill, positivity after dark. Okay, we'll talk about that in the after dark podcast. Um, okay, no, that, I think that was the most anyone's ever talked women's soccer that USA was not doing so well. So, after that great discussion, um, we go over to Miller's Bears Corner. Miller, how many bears you got in your corner? I got two today. Two bears in my corner. <laughs> Ooh, wow. You're a little greedy today. I am. I am. But before I get too far into it, just want to shout out to all the positive comments out there in training camp on our boy, Justin Fields, killing it per usual. <laughs> Can't wait to watch MVP. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, all right. So today we are going to continue Miller's Bears Corner, as I mentioned. Just a summary of the things that we're going to talk about, essentially, as we get Closer and closer to um, the opening kickoff, which is almost, I think, four weeks away at this point. I'm going to go through and hit some of the big free agent pickups as long as as well as rookie um, rookie draft picks that have. Um, I'm going to talk about the biggest names last and we're kind of just going to run through uh, on, on that front. So this week we have our two rookie defensive tackles that were drafted. Um, we have Jervon Dexter Jr. and Zach Pickens. These are both defensive tackle. We'll start with Jervon Dexter. He was drafted in the second round out of Florida. Some of the positives that he brings is his side and size, I should say, and also his NFL ready frame. Um, he's got a pretty good bull rush, but really um, he, his mobility and his swim move is where he makes his money. Uh, some of the negatives that um, that we're seeing, and not only have we seen that in the past, it is showing a little prevalence in um, in training camp as well. But he is slow getting off the ball. He, that that basically leads to him getting blocked early. Um, but one of the things that we're hoping to see improvement is that slow start, because even with that slow start, his strength is still enabling him to basically throw people around. So. He definitely has the size and the strength for it. Uh, in training camp, he is getting rave reviews from multiple sources, including coaches and veteran players. Um, and two of the veteran players that have spoke highly of him, one is Cody Whitehair, our center, and the other is Justin Jones, another defensive tackle. Uh, Justin Jones has come out and talking specifically about his ability and, and even mentioned that this quote, basically what Jones said was anticipating where your first step is going to be and how you fight just when you get off the ball. We talk about that in meetings all the time. Pre-snap reads and split formations, running back depth, O-line, split size, eye on to the O-lineman. We talk about all sorts of things that an average rookie probably wouldn't recognize, but he's not your average rookie. I feel like he will be able to get all that knowledge and be able to show it on the field. So some high, high um, talking points are coming out of uh, some, some players on the bears and coaches are raving about him as well. So it looks like we got a good one here with our second round pick. He was our first defender taken uh, in the draft this year. Um, The other one that we're going to talk about is uh, Zach Pickens. Uh, He was our uh, 
third round pick, uh, the first draft pick in the third round. So he was about pick 64, I believe. Um, he appear, He's out of South Carolina. He received some rave reviews out of them. Um, but he has struggled in camp. Um, he, he has the size to, to do it, but his hands and his placement are, are not the greatest. So what the Bears are trying to do is trying to start him slow, uh, keep it simple for him to continue to show improvement. We ha- we did get some pickups from the, uh, the defensive line. Uh, Andrew Billings is a big one that we brought in, uh, and there's a few more that have already been here, including Justin Jones. So they're actually projecting that Zach Pickens may not get a lot of playing time, which to me is, is kind of tough. Uh, I really do think when you are a top of the third round, pretty much a second round pick, I expect some playing times out out of you. Um, So we'll see if we see it. Um, But hopefully things improve. It's early in training camp. So anything can happen. Wow. Deep defensive line with the Chicago Bears. Love to hear it. I love to hear it. Uh, Yeah, Uh, I'm excited, man. And with the addition of Yannick, Nagaku, I think I in Ngaku, something like that. Uh, with him coming over, they're already talking he's going to be a wrecking ball on that defensive front. So, like I mentioned in my my short video that was released the day we signed him, this could be a top fifteen beat defense in the league. Could be. It could be. A, hopefully, it's not the strength. Personally, I want the offense to be the strength. That's where the money was invested. But uh, I could see it happening. So. Knows we'll see what happens. Oh, that that's good to hear. That's good to hear. Um, all right, before we dive into a couple other sections, boys, how about we take a quick break? We'll be right back. Welcome back. We're gonna talk about the Cubs. You know, <laughs> and the other team. <laughs> I didn't want to say that. <laughs> we may, may talk about him, may not talk about him. Who knows? But, um, dude, there's a lot of know, juice coming out of White Sox camp right now. So we, we're going to touch on it. Don't you worry. <laughs> All right. You guys are going to kick off, off first. Or should we talk about the lows first? We'll talk about the highs. I, no, I really want to hear what happened with the socks i'm very intrigued all right okay. well welcome welcome to the fire han sell the team jerry section yay um you know uh they still suck they got swept by the rangers they played a pretty feisty uh series against the guardians feisty mostly because mr tim anderson took offense to jose ramirez sliding uh, they got into a uh, fighting boxing stance. They both went at it. There was a brawl. Some punches were landed, but because Tim Anderson was the aggressor, he got six-game suspension. Mr. Jose Ramirez, who was also throwing punches, I think he landed one, got three games suspended. Both managers, Griffol, uh and uh, what was the other guy's name? Um, uh, Cardona? Uh, shoot, I should know this. The Boston guy. Yes, he won with the uh, Terry Francona. Terry Francona. Francona. Um, 
Yeah, they both got a game each. So that was why the season was feisty, but they won that series. They're currently in a second feisty series. Again, not feisty because of the play. Oh, no, 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 no. You're not getting off that easy. Let's discuss this. Let's discuss (laughs) Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Some of the greatest (laughs) audio I've ever heard happened on this day. If you haven't heard it, we don't have it here. We don't have the rights and all that fun stuff. But check out the Cleveland Guardians announcers. I think it was their uh, TV announcers when they talk about this decking that occurred. All you hear, he basically turned into a boxing voice during this. <laughs> and basically it turned into, down goes Anderson. Down goes down Anderson. Down goes One of the best calls all year in the MLB by far. Too bad it doesn't count towards win, but no, it doesn't. Yeah. They lost, I believe. But I mean, I've never seen something like that. And I know after the fact, there's they've come out. There's a lot of I don't know if there's bad blood, animosity, or what was going on. But I've never seen someone get into a fighting stance that quickly. It turned into a slide, well, it's a, and it was like it's a finger point. Yeah, no, the slide wasn't it. This, what ended up happening was, you're so, as a baseball thing, you're not supposed to just stand over someone, right? Like, that's just not a common thing. So that's where the Guardian player took offense to it. And instead of just walking away, he decided to do the finger poke of doom and decided to put his finger in front of Anderson's face. And at that moment, Anders like, Anderson's like, you want to go? Which is, drop the gloves. And to be fair... Anderson didn't even get in the proper boxing position. Your hands have to be up, okay? You can't just have them down here, like down by your tits and shit. You have to have them up. You always got to protect the face. And Yeah. You know, you Anderson guys are right just... about bad blood. Um, probably a good section to throw it in. Um, it's not been confirmed, but um, there's very good sources and with a lot of detail that there was a fight between Grandal. I don't know if he can call it a fight, but basically Grandal slapped Tim Anderson uh, back in July. Uh, Grandal was not on the Yasmani Grandal catcher, was not on the lineup, and he wanted to go home, essentially. And Tim Anderson, you know, was like basically like, hey, if he, this is how it's going to be, send him home. I'll pay for his fucking ticket, is what he said. And Yasmani Grandal took offense to that and went and slapped Anderson. They both had to be separated. There's lots of details of what series it happened in and where it happened. So it seems like there's some truth to it, but you guys are right. You know, team's not winning. There's a lot of money being thrown around, lots of egos there. So there's definitely some some other underground stuff happening with the team too. I mean, to me in this situation, it's kind of crazy to see the drop-off of Tim Anderson. Now, maybe... It doesn't continue. Maybe it's just a blip in the in the career of him. But I believe it was 2021 when he walked off the Field of Dreams game and he was raved about being the next big star of the league, mm-hmm. the, the next big leader of the Sox to take him to the next level. And like, I don't know, dude. I still think one of the worst decisions you made was getting rid of Abreu. I think he was such a good leader inside that locker room kept these guys together yes last year wasn't the greatest but i mean you guys went to having him to basically having no one obviously you see the immaturity of tim anderson and the lack of leadership that he 
has there. It's just been a disaster, and it's it's just sad. I, no, I, I agree. I think especially with the Cuban players, I think Abreu was a leader, and, you know, like, they he would help them in ways that we probably don't even understand. So totally agree with you. Uh, but, you know, in, in making noise the bad way, White Sox is leading the way again. We are playing against the Yankees currently, and one of the relievers – we just got rid of the Ted deadline. Uh, Kenyon Middleton, uh, he obviously is playing the White Sox. He was probably asked about it. So he said, there's no culture here. There was no rules for the White Sox. The most damning piece of evidence he threw out was that rookie pitchers were just sleeping in the bullpen during the game. And there were players just missing meetings, uh, not taking part in drills, and there would be no consequences to that. All that to point that, the culture uh, that they, there's no culture here, right? And that's why the organization is in trouble. Um, you know, pretty scathing review uh, for a team that's already in the dumps. So, you know, our GM had to come back and defend. And he kind of gave a dodgy response saying, it's funny coming from him. He was in trouble here already. Pedro had to discipline him or something like that, which essentially means they didn't deny it. He, he's basically like, but, but, but all he did at first was his response, which was hilarious to me. But uh, no, uh, White Sox making the news in the wrongest way possible. Didn't, it's all I have for you, boys. Didn't Lance Lynn come out and back up Middleton's comments? I did not see that. Is I that thought Lance Lynn came out and said something about the culture. Maybe he didn't back up his comments per se verbatim. He defended him. But he defended the fact that there was no, it wasn't a good culture in in, in, in at White Sox, like even people within the White Sox that I heard from today or read about today, they were like basically saying, "I doubt everything he's saying is right, but thank you for saying it because we can see from outside that something is not working with the team, right?" And him pointing it out is like, so there is something happening, something brewing underneath that we can't see. So most of the people that even work for the White Sox and in their media team were basically like, I doubt all of it's true, but there's something there was their response to. So just so interesting. We talked, stuff. About this, we talked about this where when was the the manager of the team going to get like involved and, and then get held accountable for what was happening on the field? And and we've we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago where it – maybe didn't have to fall on him. Um, but now it's kind of like there's no control. So it, it has to go to both. It has to go to upper management, the GM and, and uh, basically trickle down to the GM. And that's the, that's, that's the other thing that you think about. Like you have two managers in this situation, going back to Tim Anderson in the fight, you have Terry Francona championship pedigree, and you have Brent, the White Sox manager, Terry Francona comes out, faces the media, talks about it straight up. This is what happened. This is response, blah, 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 addresses the situation. And then you have uh, the manager uh, for the White Sox that basically dismisses it. He says, oh, this, we're not going to talk about that today. Oh, we're not going to talk about that right now. MLB will do their investigation and figure out. Oh, we're not going to do that. And it's just like... The fucking puppet show that's happening on the south side of Chicago for your team is a joke. And the sad part is, is nothing's going to fucking happen about it. No one's going to get fired. 
everything's going to be status quo going into next year. Your team's going to fucking be dog shit again. And it's just crazy listening to some of these fans um, talk about the team and being like, they don't know the next time that this team's actually going to be relevant. Because Rick Hahn is probably going to keep mowing along with what the assets that he has, thinking that he's going to be quote-unquote competitive. He's got shit culture, shit team, and a shit organization. Yeah, I, I was just reading through the Lynn comments. He said, basically, I was there longer than Kenyon, and what he said was not wrong. So, again, no one's, like, flatly denying it, but no one's also flatly admitting it, which means there's some truth there. But that's how we make the news in the White Sox side. Um, you know, uh, my positive rating, despite I was reading some good things about their um, – the people they got back in the trades, but I'm back in the dumps, boys. I'm back to zero, I think. You gotta be, man. I, I, I'm i sorry. I Like, okay, sitting here and saying fire Jerry, like, it's gonna get old quick. Because we all know ownership isn't gonna get rid of him. He's not gonna turn around one no, day but... and say, uh, quick. So that's not gonna happen. So unless you can get him on some outran- outrageous charge that gets him removed by all the owners, it's realistically not gonna happen. But Firing Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn, that's a real possibility. And it should be done, like, tomorrow. It should be, but it's not going to be. And that's what's so funny. I, I don't know. Well, the, this controversy thing, is good. This is good. Good. So, the, for for record, uh, Pedro Grifol is the gen- yeah. the manager of the White Sox. Um, We've seen uh, cultures change immediately with a manager change and Pedro's got to go. I think it has to be a clean slate from the manager side. No manager can recover from the environment that the players are in, especially if players are not being disciplined. Pedro's got to go. And then what the only thing that can save your GM's job is overpaying for a world series winner manager that is not old but someone that has been known to change cultures immediately. That's yeah. the only way that that this can be solved. Are we all thinking the same name? I'm thinking of two names, and yes, one of them is the exact name that you and I are thinking. It's of. gotta be. That's like the only way that Rick Hahn keeps his job is if he brings back Ozzie Guillen. It's the only way. Ozzie Guillen is one. Yes, it's the only Ozzie way Guillen he keeps his job. He can't go rookie. Do you know who number two is? I don't. Who helped the Cubs? Theo? In 2016. In 2016. Madden? I no. would say Madden. This is a, would he's, he works with young Madden teams. is a culture cha- Madden is he's a, a culture, culture changer, changer right. though. He is. That's the, Ozzie Guillen is a, you don't show up to practice, you're out, I will bench you. He, he has zero fucks to give. And that's the only we're, and we're and I'm just and I'm not even talking about record playing. I'm not talking about stats. I'm literally saying you bring in the guy that's going to change what walking into that team looks. But like. see, here's the thing. While I agree with that, that you're exactly what you said with with John Madden or Madden. He is very he's not similar to Tony La Russa, but he's similar to Tony La Russa. It's ty- it's kind of like the sense? same type of deal. Ozzy Guillen's a completely different type of manager. So if you bring in someone like that, the whole city, not the whole city, the city that cares about the Sox, is going to get behind that move. 
I think Cubs fans would support Ozzy going to the White Sox. I'm in favor of like, it. Like, I agree. I think that should happen. It should have happened before. I mean, he's such a big voice with with the Sox, too. And I just think, like, doing a move like that, in my opinion, should be the only way that Rick Hahn still keeps his job. But I just don't think this is a – I don't think it's a thing. I don't think – they're going to do I, it and I don't Can you can we, and I don't I don't I don't mean to to drag this but can you tell me why Madden wouldn't be a good fit? I don't I'm not saying that he wouldn't be a good fit. I just think you you just have Ozzy being higher. I, yeah, I just I okay, see what okay. you're saying about him being a culture changer cuz he definitely is. I just view him more as a a younger player culture changer. When he was successful with the Rays, when he was successful with the Cubs, he was dealing with young talent. The White Sox, unfortunately, are not that young anymore. At the, at the they will players. be next year, though. They won't be. Most they of those will guys be aren't going to be called up. They still have Maybe a lot of Maybe 2025. They still have a lot. But they have, they'll be called. No, but they'll, make, they'll be productive. But what I was going to say about Madden is... Madden inherited a team. You guys got to remember, and I don't want to drag this too much, but Madden was brought in while we already had a manager in place. So it wasn't that Madden. Madden was not only a culture changer, but he was a ready to win now manager. So what I was trying to say in bringing him up is I could see him being the guy where he would tell the GM, Hey, this is what I want to bring. These are the, these are the vets that I would want to bring in to change your culture the following year, bring me your up and comers and we can see if we can be competitive. But I will say this, any manager that's going to come in for the white Sox will have to be overpaid. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's a five or six year contract. Yeah. I I think that that's what they need. Some consistency. But um, what I was going to say was um, in Pedro's defense, I think he was given shitty ingredients and he was asked to cook like a five-star meal i think like that's his I defense disagree. i think you I, can I think like you can make an argument about culture but i agree with chris in this cj in the sense that the manager makes the culture and you can sit there and say that maybe he was just brought in as a puppet and rick Hahn and kenny williams are behind the scenes doing all the movement and you can make a case there that Griffold was was dealt a bad hand. But the bottom line is if you're a manager, manager material and a good manager, you can make develop that culture. And, and let me let me ask you this too then, Boop, and just to add, if you're hearing all of this of the White Sox's um bullpen and, and dugout and stuff, if he gets fired, is he does he get another manager position? Probably not. There you go. It follows you. It I mean, he, he was a he, like he was a bench coach, right? Like, he was Na- a, there is rumors that Nagy could get a head coaching job in the next two years. Yeah. Uh, that that again, that would be even worse. But um, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Like, like it, it's not too much positivity happening on this side. But you guys can bring us bring us up. Tell us what's happening on the north side. We are playoff bound, baby. We are. There, we are in it. In the playoffs, as of today, Chicago Cubs, let's fucking go. Whoop, whoop. Bring it, baby. 
We are officially in the wild card spot as we speak. Hell yes, we did it. We got there. Well, it's it's. I mean, it, well, it's it, we're 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 there. Not that we did it. It's I not could be excited. I yes, you yes, you can. Listen, I would normally be excited, but you know what? I'm taking a different route. I called it. I called it. I called it weeks ago. And yes, I've had my down moments. But you know what? You know what did it for me? You know what did it for me? The Cubs took the series against the Atlanta Braves, the top team in the NL. That's all I needed. The team, the fucking Cubs could get swept by the Sox. I could care less because the the, the Cubs are there. There there's still holes though. Wait 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 I, wait wait I, wait I, wait wait. Do we really want to talk about the Atlanta Braves? Do you remember what happened when the Sox beat? And took the series from the Atlanta Braves. I feel like they got worse after that. Hoopin made such a big deal about it that we were going to make, we were going to turn the team he, around, and then they basically went to the shitter. He did, but all I'm saying, again, all all I wanted to say with that is the Atlanta Braves right now are the only team in the National League with 70 plus wins. Mm-hmm. Dude, they're a great team. The Cubs, they are one plus 165 on run differentials. And the Cubs took two out of three. At home, we play the better fuck? at home than we do on the road. That's a big thing. Uh, uh, that's not. That's not you. Be, don't you fucking ruin my positivity. It doesn't matter. Even though we lost the first game eight nothing, doesn't fucking matter. It. We got two out of three. I know. We got two I out agree. of three against Atlanta. We got three out of that, four from the Cincinnati Reds. That was huge. It, yep. The Reds are on a huge. fucking down trail to the bottom, baby. Fuck them. And we've been streaking. We were streaking before before the Red Series, too. Um, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight in a row beforehand against the Cardinals and the White Sox. Like the 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 Cubs are streaking. And and you know what? Their schedule is very is pretty easy going forward, too. We we it, it is, but and, and I think you and I were kind of talk we talked a little bit about this when we were talking about the, the series. There the one the one that worries me is end of August. Yeah, early yeah. September is when we face Milwaukee. And yeah, Cincinnati. we're gonna play That's a lot of Central that... Division foes, but right now we got over the next ten days or something like that. We got Toronto. That'll be tough. That'll be a tough series. I think that yep. we have the Royals and we have the the White Sox, and then I think we also yep. have the Detroit Tigers. So we got a and Pitt, good stretch Pittsburgh here before we hit against Milwaukee. Yeah. Hopefully, we, have, we can be we have a good chance at the top of the division after that stretch, so we can go down to the, the move forward for the with this team. Uh, I'm hoping it happens. I, they're they're playing well. They're fun to watch. But the problem is right now is the road stuff is an issue. Don't know why it's an issue. But we also have two concerns. One of those is Seiya Suzuki, who has been hitting in the sub 200 range the last few games. Listen, and also Marcus Stroman. We got two big okay, issues. I'll, there. I'll have. I have one of the two concerns. Suzuki is not a concern for me. Why? Suzuki because are you all aboard the Palatine Pounder train? Yeah, I am. I am. Suzuki is a hot and cold player, just like our hot takes and cold takes. That's going to happen. He's a hot and cold. He's going to get hot. He's going. He, he, the one thing with him is like I just need him, and, and you and I will kind of agree. We just need that consistent hit to get on base. I don't care if it's two or four. I need him to go two or four every game. That's basically what I want. If if he can get me that every game, 
or close to it, I'll be happy. He can't. He's hitting sub 200. Listen, there were times where other players would hit sub 200. Ian Happ was hitting sub 200 at one point. Yeah. I don't I don't know. That's a concern. Seiya Suzuki is definitely a concern. Um, thankfully, but I will Mike say Stroman has been uh, on oh. fire. He's been hitting he's, he's three, been, almost three fifty over the last 15 games. He's been hitting over 300 in the last 30. So he has been a huge, huge, huge part of this team. For those of you that don't know, they call him the Palatine pounder because he is from Palatine, Illinois. He's a local boy. He went to the University of Illinois, I believe, um, and he made his way to the Cubs. So um, props to him for making it. Super excited to have a local guy being a quote-unquote hero of the team. Um, I was going to say one thing um, as far as the concerns. I think you you and I very much have Stroman in, in, in our, in our um, worry pile. Um one of the things that I did want to bring up, and and I think we can kind of just end it there. Are are we really to? Are we ready to give uh, our GMs and and our, our our management a great a great grade for the trades that they made at the deadline? They've they've been performing very well. Yeah, the one guy you guys we got, got in? we got a reliever that's played. We got a reliever played a lot, but the the big one is the position player that. And I think, yeah, you got to give him credit. I mean, I think we got to give. He's come in and he's performed adamantly. Obviously, he was a part of a team that was raking. I mean, I think we scored, what, over 40 runs in three games in that series. So, I mean, but he did continue it. It's not like he was going over. So he started off uh, one of the first players in history to go four for four start the to start or for four for five to get four hits in their first appearance with the Cubs. So you got to give them credit so far. It's really early. It's only been like a week, a little over a week. So it's only been nine games. I think it's a little <laughs> early to start giving them positive because things can't. Candelario has played nine games and Miller. You'll be happy in the nine games that as of now that I've been looking on the SPN, his career batting with us is a 485 hitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But so to get to move forward with the Cubs, because we're staying with you for a second, but Cody Bellinger, I remember when this cat was hitting like 270. I look at his average today. He's hitting 329 or something like that. Holy shit. This guy has been hot. Wow. Yeah. That is impressive. I uh I'll I'll let the podcast people know. Um, a while ago, a while, a while, a while ago, I I made us a, a nice little wager that um the Reds were going to win the division. I made a nice little bet. I decided to cash that out at a nice nice little profit. I went all in. Cubs are winning the division, and I called it that the Cubs would would compete for the wild card. I think Boopin, if you want to settle that bet, we can settle it soon. But. <laughs> You know, we can we can kind of discuss that, but very proud. I will say I will say my 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 two fears are the back to backs that we have coming up with uh, Milwaukee and Cincinnati, but also with Miller's point uh, of us not being a good away team. 
our last six games our way of the season. There are definitely some things that can come in our way of making that the playoffs, but let's remember what the goal was at the beginning of the year. I like to keep it everything in perspective. Going into this year, what we wanted to see was improvement. We wanted to be an 81-win team. We are currently um, definitely we are over 500, and that is all you can ask for. If we can end the year at, at, at 500, it's a win in my book. Obviously, yeah. making the yeah. playoffs is be- is beating expectations, which would be wild better. card. Wild card will so, make me ecstatic. Yeah, anything like that will will make me happy as a Cubs fan. So, okay, positivity rating time. I was a seven last first. week, but I was on a high. I think I'm going to drop to a six. Right now, we are in the playoffs. I get that, but last week I was at a high. Um, I'm going to be more realist. I'm at a six until we cement ourselves as a true contender, start beating some teams and, and kind of starting to pull away. That's when I'll jump up to a seven. I can't remember if I was a seven or an eight. You were an eight. You were, you were, you were an eight, maybe a nine. Oh man. I'm very positive. Okay. If we're gonna just talk about positivity, I'm a nine, baby. Put me down. I'm a nine. If we're just talking about how positive I am about this team, I'm a nine. Positive that we'll make the wild card. I'm still at an eight. So if we take both averages, eight my positivity half. rating is an eight and a half. A nine. Right, fair enough. A nine. Fair a nine enough. is a World Series we, contender. We are not a. World no, Series. it is not. Don't you know. Let's you know, not compare. Ninety percent. Miller, stop. I want to take that energy that CJ just brought and pour it on into our next segment. We're talking about NFL caliente takes, 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 takes. You know, <laughs> NFL's preseason starting off. Uh, we wanted, okay, we had lots of conversations about when to have this conversation. It was a too early, too late. So we feel like this is the right time to come in, tell I you guys what feel so it's far. Early, but... CJ still feels it's early. Some people don't understand that NFL rules. No, some people just get overruled. And don't understand NFL rules. Talking about rules, here's the rules for this segment, okay? Uh, We'll all go around the horn. You'll throw a hot take. The other two people will agree, disagree, have a conversation. That's the general concept. Keep it loose. Miller, kick it off. All right. I am going to kick this baby off with a hot, hot, caliente take. What I'm going to lead us off with is a little chub-a-dub-dub. Nicky Chubb. Nick Chubb from the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> no one calls him Nicky Chubb. I call him, calls him, I call him that. We'll get over 2,000 all-purpose yards this year. He has never had above 1,800 in a season. This year, I think he's going to go off. Uh, Kareem Hunt is no longer in the picture. I think the Browns' offense in general is going to take a step up with Deshaun having a whole uh, training camp and everything to work with the team. I think it's going to be a solid offense in the division. I think Nick Chubb will get over 2,000 all-purpose yards. I think it's a good take. I don't think it's... Caliente. It's a good take, though. I agree with it. 
Well, what is it then? What is it? Is it is it Frio? Twenty two. I think it's a hot take. Yeah, I think it's a hot take. Um, last year the Chubster got over seventeen hundred. He was at seventeen sixty four with rushing and receiving. He had two thirty nine on the receiving side. So Miller, what are you saying? You're saying that they're going to rush more, or they're going to use him more on the pass? Well, last side? year they had Kareem Hunt, and I think Kareem Hunt was a serviceable backup. Um, so yeah, I he think was probably that, like top top fifteen. Yeah, I think a himself. lot of those carries are going to go to to um, to Chubb now. So that's what I think carries him over the top. I think he probably gets a similar passing role, but I think he's his rushing yards. So just to give you some more feedback, he was only targeted 37 times on the receiving side. So you're you're thinking that he's going to get more rushing opportunities. Mm-hmm. More catching opportunities. No, I think more rushing opportunities. Rushing, okay. I thought the Kareem Hart was primarily the uh, third I thought down. he was more of a passing guy. Yeah. But anyway, no, I, I think it's a great take, Miller. He's impressive. He's like... I think if it was not for Derek Henry, like he would be the running back we talk about. He's how that's how impressive his numbers are. I agree. Um, I'll keep it in the running I, back family. Go ahead, I TJ. will disagree, but I think it's a good take. I don't no, think I he gets to two thousand. You think it's a oh, hot really? take? I, I I think he surpasses two thousand. To be honest with you, I've taken him in a lot of fantasy drafts in the first round. Um, it's August first 9th. Like, We're not talking about fantasy line. Let's move on. Yeah, we uh, have rules here. The only okay. thing, the only thing is, is it's going to be dependent on on the quarterback situation and see if Watson actually improves. I think that will help the running game. He, yeah, he cannot be much worse than last year. I think he had a pretty bad year last year. Okay, I'll I'll keep in the running back family. We'll talk about a running back that's near and dear to us. You know, like an ex girlfriend, David Montgomery. He will finish top 12. And that may not seem as hot takey. He's being currently drafted as a 28th running back off the board. I was going to say top 15. And that, was, that was not hot takey enough for me. So I went top 12. You know, Can Jamal you please Williams. explain to me how top 12 is not hot takey? No, it like, is. Top 15 was not hot takey to hot, me. That's why top I, 20 would have been hot takey in my book. First of all, okay. <laughs> I don't even Maybe know I if he's going to be the number one running back on that team. Do you know the enthusiasm that the Detroit Tigers coach and general manager have when they drafted Jameer Gibbs? Jameer Gibbs when they did no. in the first round? Like I do, I do. Like they are so ecstatic about this guy. And yes, David Montgomery is going to go in there, and but I think he's going to take that Jameson. Not Jameson, Jamal, Jamal, Jamal Williams Williams role of last year where he's going to get a lot of touchdowns. I just don't know if he's going to get a lot of rushing opportunities. So that was going to lead to my question, Boopin, a top 12 running back in what? Like fantasy and finish. I mean, top 12 running back, you can call it like yards too. Well, that's overall production because... So top 12 right now. Miller, I'm going to ask you this way. Does David Montgomery go over 1000 rushing yards next year? No, I or don't this, I don't think season? he does. I don't even think he gets Probably over not. 600. And Boopin, do you think do you think Montgomery goes over 1000 yards? But no, I don't think so. Then he will not be a top 12 running back in that stat. But keep in mind he may get in the fantasy realm 
He may get touchdowns. I think, I think if you were to say he's a top 12 running back in fantasy, sure. Because touchdowns. I don't touchdowns think he will, will be, him. even with that. But he um, he could get some opportunities out of the backfield receiving as well. I don't know. Yep. That's always been that's always been a great a great spot out of him. Uh, top twelve running back rushing yards uh, was Kenneth Walker with one thousand fifty. Um, there was one, two, three, four more running backs that hit the thousand mark. So I don't believe Montgomery will hit the rushing yards. I believe this is a hot take. I believe Montgomery will flop with the Detroit Tigers. Maybe I should have said top fifteen because you think top twenty is high enough. But yeah, I don't I, think I don't he'll be a top twenty back personally. I, I think, think this is a hot, hot caliente. I think hot, this is a hot take. Yeah. I don't even want to touch it. It's so hot. I, I don't <laughs> I don't see it happening. I, I wish David Montgomery the best, but I think with them reaching I I would have agreed with you if they didn't make the draft pick where they made it, but because they picked um Jimmy or Gibbs at in the first round, I just think he's going to be their primary guy, especially rushing. So we'll, we'll see. No, but their O line, I was thinking, was like You're so right. good. They're it's O-line. Only he, he may get a lot of work early on. That's fair. Okay. CJ, what's your take? I want to bring it back to someone who's near and dear in our hearts uh, Daddy Rogers. <laughs> um, our daddy, he's, he's left us now. He's not with Green Bay anymore. He's no longer the owner of Soldier Field. Um, technically, he's still the owner I, until he's. Oh yeah, you're right. Well, technically, yeah. Until Jordan has, Love you know, steps on the field. That's that's very much true. Um, I believe that Aaron Rodgers will not only break the Jets' passing touchdown record, but he will also break the NFL record of fifty-five. Uh, and I had it in here and now I have to find it again but the um the Jets quarterback that has that record is good old Ryan Fitzpatrick um I believe Rodgers will definitely go over 30 the question is is that receiving core going to be good enough to hit 55 again we do have the additional game I believe the Jets offense is probably going to be one of the hotter offenses that's out there. I think this is a hot take because it's Aaron Rodgers. This is so hot. I don't even want to be by the microphone right now. I can feel the vibrating hotness coming, seeping through every part of my body. This is so hot because I don't think there's a fucking chance in hell, but it's Aaron Rodgers and I know what he can do. So anything can happen. No, like it's it's such a so I don't know if you guys watch Hard Knocks, um, you know, it's like really good plug if you guys don't watch it. I love the show. Jets are on it this year, and uh, their second receiver, Alan Lazard, was not even featured in the episode. That's like, like you know, maybe not even the second, third, whatever the receiver he would be. So they have a really deep core. Like the problem I see with it is Garrett Wilson has had some injuries, nagging injuries. He's not been on the field as much, but like, but they have a pretty deep class. Uh, Michael Hardman is there. I didn't even realize he was there. He's there. So, no, totally agree with you. It's a really hot take. I love it. All right, Does Mike. he do it? Good hit. Does he uh, do it? He will go for it. I think he has nothing. He's just like, seems in a better place. All the ayahuasca, darkness retreat work. He seems to be a really good place mentally. 
like he was in Green Bay, dude. Those years when he was MVP, he was just balling out. I feel like we'll get another year out of him. Like I, I just, I so think, and that's my concern is with Garrett Wilson, obviously with the injury, and I think they're going to rely more on their defense than they are on their offense. So I don't think it's going to be a bunch of high scoring games. That's my concern. No, but I, I, I think the defense being what it is will help. The, uh, will help the offense get in better positions. I mean, yeah. that's shorter um, fields. That's fair, shorter but fields. I I see low scoring games. I don't I don't see shootouts, and typically shootouts lead to breaking records rather than. Well, not all the time, not not all the time, but I do see that I do see that being the point. The one thing that I will say though is that as much as we hate on Rodgers being uh, on the Green Bay side, and we've seen him, we've seen him sling that to sometimes no name wide receivers. And make them names to get them out of Green Bay, and there's now people that wanted to go to the Jets because he was there. So I I I I do agree with the injury being a problem, but just like in the NFL, that happens all the time. Do we have another I hot take? Say, do we have another hot take? Devonte Adams the record. is a Jet by the end of the year. Ooh, Ooh. think about that. I and the Jets did clear some. Crap. Ooh. I didn't. No, no, are you that. saying it? Can we officially put you down for the hot take? Ooh. No, I'm just adding to the conversation. I don't think it'll happen during the regular season. I think it, he may get traded, but I don't think it's going to happen during the regular season. And if it happens, it's because Oakland is, or not Oakland, uh, the Vegas. Las Vegas Raiders are just out. It could be they're just completely it out, and out. and he's going to request a trade. They suck, anyways. All right. Oh, that's a good point. Oh, Jesus Christ. Jets are the best defense in the preseason rated currently. Oh, great. Awesome, Miller. What's your second caliente take? You all know how much I'm a homer. I love my homerism. Say it. Say it. Justin Fields is going to be top five in MVP votes. Let's we need freaking go. We need hotter. We need hotter, yes. Miller. Come on. You can do it hotter than hotter that. Than that. He's not going to be MVP. Maybe he is. Luckily, hopefully he is. But last year he was ninth in MVP voting um, because he received one, I think, fifth place vote, which brought him up. But this year, I can definitely see him taking a step. Not to mention, I also do believe that the, the Bears in general are going to show some improvement, which will help. But um, when you have a rushing quarterback, first of all, we know most quarterbacks typically dominate the MVP voting. So when you have a quarterback that is dynamic and can add passing as well as rushing, to their repertoire definitely improves their chances to be an MVP. Just look at Lamar Jackson. You don't need to be successful in the playoffs. You just need to basically be good in the regular season. I see the defense on the bears possibly being a little weaker. They could be top 15, but I see some high scoring games in there. I think fields is going to take a step forward. I think he's going to get 3,500 plus passing yards, add in 600, 700 rushing yards. That with a total touchdowns in the 40 plus range, 
you got an MVP right there. So I think Justin Fields will be in a top five position for MVP, not in the MVP talk, but definitely get some votes. Let's go. I love it. Love it. Bear down, baby. Bring us your bullshit, CJ. Yeah, bring us down, CJ. This is why I hate homers. This is why I hate homers. How many teams are in the NFL? 32. Are you sure? Nope. Yes. (laughs) So what you're saying, top 15 is better than half. Top 15? I said top five. No, 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 no. You said that the Bears would be a top 15. Defense. You're really going to focus on the defense? Yes, I'm going to focus on the defense because, you know, we had this conversation. You you guys have this in your mind. The man hasn't hit three thousand passing yards yet. Yet you just established you just established a, a couple weeks ago that Lamar Jackson being an MVP didn't fucking matter because you don't win playoff games. Well, but it, when it I mattered. brought up, hold on, hold on, no, no, no. I gave you the floor. I gave you the floor. Now shut up and take it like a man in your bear corner. Now, when we were talking about Lamar Jackson and we were going over all of this. You said he was a running quarterback. And now you just said that just Justin Fields is a running quarterback. This is what I've been saying this whole time. You guys are putting Justin Fields in a spot where we haven't seen him excel to the point where we want him to be. Top five in MVP votes. Do you know what names he would have to beat in those, in those top five? Who? Patrick Mahomes. Joe Burrow. Josh Allen. Jalen Hurts. Those are just the quarterbacks. I know Aaron Rodgers. That's five. These are just the five quarterbacks that you're saying that he would be surpassing. Not only that. Aaron Rodgers isn't in that conversation. Sorry. If if my hot take of Aaron Rodgers happens. You're right. Yes. Exactly. But here's here's the thing I, and I and I've been saying this for a long time. I am not a Justin Fields hater. What yes, I'm saying are. is No, 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 no. I'm not. Yes. Miller knows this. No, you are. If dude. if I wanted to hate on him, there was definitely a lot of things that I could have said to hate on him. What I'm hating most about these homers that I'm dealing with on a daily basis is you guys have him on such a pedestal during the off season, during the preseason, during all of this, we haven't seen it hit 3 thousand yards okay yet. and now you're saying mvp votes and you're saying for the mvp votes you want him to hit 3500 a couple weeks ago we were talking about four thousand yards so now we just subtracted 500 yards out of nowhere i'm hoping he hits 400 talk to me lamar jackson right you mentioned him yeah yeah he won the mvp in 2019 yep how many yards did he throw for that year uh, he was the unanimous number one. Don't look it up. That defeats. Give me a guess. Well, 3,200. You're such a piece of shit. You've looked. No, There's I no actually, way I didn't you guessed that. He, he I actually threw didn't for finish 3,127 yards. He rushed for 1,200. Yeah, he won MVP because of the rush. 
He had a passer rating of 113.3. Miller, you have a running quarterback with over 1,000 yards. Okay, I understand that. The didn't matter. He so, could have thrown 10 fucking yards. He still would have won. The bottom line is he doesn't need to throw for a lot to be in the top five. I'm saying top no. five. So he's a run- okay, so he's a running quarterback then. So no, he's a running quarterback. Just, CJ, CJ, hang on, hang on. Just saying. Do you know, he doesn't have to do a do lot you know, to be a top Did five. you know Fields rushed for more than that just last year? He broke Lamar's record? Yes. Okay. Right. And so that's, why he got, that's why he got the, the notice that he got. Because yeah. of that. Week he seven saved, on. He, well, sa- and, and he you, saved you know the Bears games. Hold oh, on, no, no, no. He saved Bears games with his running ability. Not with his passing. Because there was no one to pass to and not an O-line to defend that's, him. And that's the point. And you guys are saying that this offseason alone is going to surpass him in making him we have made one some of the good best moves. quarterbacks that we've ever seen in our history. He did not. So he's, we, replacing Jared, we, he's replacing smoking Jay Cutler is what we're saying. He did in not one year, surpass no. that for the record. He was under that. Wait, no. He, wait, he was under that? I thought he, he, he broke the like record. 1,143. I thought he broke the record, Miller. He didn't break the record. He broke a record, but he didn't break the record because the he record. sat out okay. the last game. Okay, but anyway, so what I was going to say was, Chris and CJ, and we've we've talked about this in our threads. Is week seven on? His stats are very impressive. Like just, just. I'm not denying his that. QBR is impressive for the record, and we need to move on because this is one hot take. His QBR is impressive. <laughs> His other stats Miller, aren't. Miller, I will, I will give you fire. You know why? Bottom, with the I'll the, give you fire, buddy. Finish. The bottom line is Justin Fields and the offense around him have improved immensely. He went from having a third string wide receiver as his number one to having a wide receiver number one in DJ Moore. That will improve the offense just as is. If Chase Claypool takes the next step, that will improve the offense because he can come in as a number two. He doesn't even need to come in as number one. And now I'm going to turn it over to Boopin for his next hot take. Before we even go to that hot take, we got a bunch of news. Listen, we got a bunch of news when Mitch Trubisky was doing so great after he hit 3,200 yards and everyone was so excited. And then we shit and felt. And shit the bed. So, go so, so you're never gonna love again. I'm being realistic. No, you're not. That's you're being pessimistic. Is. Don't give me realistic. Bullshit. Never. The man didn't throw for three thousand yards, and you guys want to add another thousand there yards are on top so of it? So many. Come I on. mean, I am with you. Come I on. defend Mitch because I love you. But come on, dude. Look at the offense Look, last I, year. Look at the offense last year. I, I, I St. Brown was I our agree. number one wide receiver after Mooney got hurt. St. Brown. St. Brown. And we, okay. And, and sorry, Boop, and I don't mean to cut you off here. Like I know your segment's next. We're all saying that Mooney was a number one last year. No, we're saying yeah. he was a number one because he was the number one on the team. Not that he was an actual wide receiver number one. Okay. That's what you said. Boopin just literally said yes. And this is why I hate homers with the bears. Is I said yes different... because he was the best player, best wide receiver. He was receiver the best wide receiver and on the you team. Are... And, but you're saying, he... okay, but Miller, you're saying he was the best player by default because people got injured. And no, Boopin not because people got injured, in because general. that was what we had. Well, regardless, Chris, will you agree that the offense gotten better with DJ Moore? 
yeah. calculate to think that. Come thank on, you. That thank you. Be a thank you. Your Honor, I, your Honor, I rest listen, Miller's case. I will go listen, next. It's the my offense turn. has gotten better, but we all know there were some people that didn't agree with that trade. That's fair. Wait, with DJ Moore trade? I thought we got a decent haul back. We did, but some You're, people didn't agree did. with it. Some move on, people, move on. Uh, whatever. The name uh, Miller brought up, I love it. You know why? I'm going even hotter. Chase Claypool, who's currently being drafted as the 88th player, 88th wide receiver even, I think, um, he will have at least 10 touchdowns this year. Let's go. 10 touchdowns. Do you want to give him the bad news or should I? I, I know. I, I saw that he got hurt today. I saw that. Well, I don't I, even, I, 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 I He did that. get hurt. But, like, but that is hot, but, dude. Like, dude, like is, he is the is, guy. That's like the, he is the guy in like training camp. If if you look at red zone deal, drills, it's all him. He's getting all the touchdowns. I'm hoping that translates into the season because in the red zone, it looks like Justin is looking for him. I hope so. I do. I don't Open. think it's going to happen. I think it's going to be the Tunyon, the Komet, and the DJ Moore show personally. <laughs> I think those are the Open three days. guys that are going to get a substantial amount of the touchdown passes. I mean, Claypool will be there. I think he's going to have a good year. I think he's going to have a wide receiver two year. I don't think he's going to have a lot of touchdowns. I don't think he's going to have a lot of yards. He's just going to be a guy. I think we're probably, but I hope so. I hope, I hope that he has a good year. I'm going to make this very easy. No. Let's move on. Whoa, wow. Coming from the Steelers fan. He's he's getting he's getting red zone plays because he's six four. Yes. That's it. I mean, yes. He's listed as third in the depth chart. Don't look at the fucking first depth chart, you dumbass. You know you know B. John Robinson is listed as third running back on Atlanta on their depth chart, right? You do realize that we have DJ Moore, Daryl Mooney as one and two, right? So you're saying he's going to surpass both. First of all, Daryl Mooney is not a red zone threat, so he's irrelevant. Correct. DJ Moore Correct, is but he's small listed as, as well. two. Boopin has a point. I will give it to him because he's a solid size. He's a big body. He, he can make. No, some Chris just made the point for us. He just said I did. He's I said six, he's four. six. He's getting the. He's getting the red zone. He's getting the red zone plays because of how tall he is. That's how football works. You put your players in positions they succeed, Chris. I just CJ. don't see it happening. It hasn't personally. happened with. I, I think they're going to target their tight I ends more. I hope it happens. That's why. That's why, boy, it's caliente. It's this well, hot. I'm going to give you even a hotter one. I'm adding it. I'm adding it just because Chase Claypool will be traded by the deadline. Who wants him? That's not going to happen. So can you move on to your next one? Yeah, My CJ. real one? Yeah, your real yeah. one. Because that one, Chase Claypool is not getting traded. I think Chase Claypool, given some of the stuff that I've seen, he will either get traded or he will just not have a good season and he'll get dropped by the end of the year. All right, moving on. Holes is Probably one of my favorite out. takes. Haters say what? The NFL will have another record broken. The most passing yards in the season will be broken this year. The current passing yard is 5,477 in one season. I believe two quarterbacks, three quarterbacks actually, can break this record. 
it's going to be Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Aaron Rodgers. I believe one of these three will surpass this and will break the record. Okay. I appreciate that hot take. I wish you didn't give names because I can dispute each of those names. I'm going to one-up that hot take and name my name and say Tua Tagovailoa from Miami Dolphins is going to break that record. So I do agree with you there. I think he's going to be the highest passing quarterback in the NFL with the most pass yards. First off, I don't think Mahomes is going to do it. I don't think he has the wide receivers to do it. Josh Allen, I think they. I don't think he's going to do it. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to do it. So I think Tua, with what he was last year, if he comes in with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, Tyreek was already on pace for 2,000 before um, Tua got hurt. So I think they can do it very easily. I think it does. It, I think it does get broken this year. I just don't agree with the names that you listed. No, Miller, I love you set that out there. I was going to say Miami was going to make the playoff, but I didn't think it was hot enough. Uh, but I think like they, they will be one of those underdog teams. That division stuff, you don't know who's going to come out. I think they'll be a good team this year. I agree with you. So I'm going to disagree with your hot take, but only for one thing. Obviously, injuries, um, the stuff that he's gone through is... You never know when a player goes through those injuries. But... Um, Mr. Tua, uh, in 2022, he played 13 games and he threw for 3,548 yards. If you divide that yardage with the 13 games that he's played, he, that means he averaged 272.92 yards. If you multiply that by 17 games, he only gets four thousand six hundred and forty yards. Still okay, impressive. Can you? Can you? Can you? Very impressive. Can you back that up a little bit? Can you take sure. his final total? What was his final total? Forty six hundred. No, before the calculation. Oh, from this. Uh, thirty five thousand. Thirty five forty eight. Plus. Two seventy two times four. That was what he did. Forty-two, forty-six hundred. Two seventy-two. Hold on, I know what he's trying to do. Two seventy-two times four, plus three thousand five forty-eight is still four thousand six hundred. That's what he just fucking did. No, but here's what I got for you, Chris. CJ, keep in mind that he had his as he was flashing gang signs during one of those games. Hang on, hang on, hang on. So he is fifty yards away with the season he had, and we know it was a tough season, right? He only needs to throw for 50 more yards every game to get to yes. that number. 320 yards, 22 yards is what you need to average. But to what we're it. saying, though, and I think we all kind of don't... I, I like the take because it supports my take, but I think we all can kind of see, like, we don't know what happens with Tua. Like, it's... Like, long-term, these concussion injuries will affect him. Will it affect him during the season? I don't know. I do wish... He was a lot of fun. He is a lot of fun to watch. I do wish that he gets to that point. I just don't see him throwing 300 yards a game to to get it. I think it's a hot take because of all that, right? Injuries and yeah. so many things have to go at it. Okay. Awesome. I I think I got the hot of the hottest take. You guys ready for this? Ready? Ready? Give it ready? to me. Ready? 
Atlanta Falcons will win the NFC South. Boom. Yeah, we could care less for that. Nope. I don't care. The division, wow, the like, weakest division in the NFL. Move on. Did, okay, they're very exciting. Give me a minute. Ariana Grande exciting. said thank you next. <laughs> they have B. John Robinson, just drafted. Hold up. Hold crazy up. No, one's, no one's disputing that they got a lot of fucking talent. But we're just, it's Atlanta, Carolina, the Saints, and Tampa Bay. The Bucks. Do we want to go over the, 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 the quarterbacks in that division right now? I said what I said. That is, that is the coldest take that we've had on this show so far. Wow. We have Desmond Ritter. We have Baker Mayfield. I don't even know if he's still in the league. We have Bryce Young from Carolina and Derek Carr. So that is so cold. I, I, I mean, you might be at the North Pole right now for all I know. Oh, wow, that's a that's a hot take from Miller. <laughs> All right, that that was our NFL Caliente takes 2023 session. We'll keep track of these. Maybe refer back to them throughout the year. But that was our show, boys and girls. Thank you for tuning in today. As always, keep the feedback coming. That's how we grow. Maybe someday in the near future, we'll have some positivity coming out of Chicago sports. Until then, we'll suffer in misery together. On that positive note, here's us saying goodbye and good night. <laughs>